Hey guys, forgot to mention it in the show. If you want to see all of the news articles and all of the links that we talk about in the show, go to trybrocket.com forward slash TW22, trybrocket.com forward slash TW22. Enjoy the show. I'm James Hahn II. And I'm Mark McCourt. And you're listening to This Week in Oil and Gas. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Episode 22, welcome in, Mr. LaCour. Great to be here, James. How you doing, brother? I'm doing real good. I just got back from a fantastic trip out to San Antonio for Ertech 2015 and had a blast on the show floor. But we're not here to talk about those uh, those shows or expos. We got a lot of news to cover. I am James on the second from TribRocket.com. We are brand architects for next generation oil field leaders. And you, Mark? Uh, ModalPoint.com. We are the oil and gas sales experts. We do this every Friday and we curate the links from what gets clicked the most through both mine and Mark's Twitter feed, as well as we, we've got the LinkedIn group going. We're going to talk about it a little bit at the end, but we need to get some people sharing some uh, sh- some news stories in there. Uh, I have a lot of uh, very strong messaging about not spamming the group, but uh, definitely sharing links that that are newsworthy and noteworthy are definitely things we want. That's at TribeRocket.com forward slash LinkedIn. Let's get into it. Um, we're going to start off downstream. Three stocks to watch in downstream oil and gas. What do you got for us, Mark? Yeah, this is an article in Motley Fool. It was actually very well researched and written. So hats off Isaac Simon, who, who wrote this. He's talking about the strength of three downstream companies. Marathon Petroleum, Delic Holdings, and Tessero. Um, they all are doing really well, as is most of downstream. Um, but he he did some deep dive, and, and he actually covered some very good stuff, such as Marathon is a fully integrated downstream um, company and have a fully integrated system, pipelines, and um, all that sort of stuff, which makes Marathon's stock really strong right now, and it's continued to be strong. Um, he also talked about um, uh, Delic U.S. Holdings. Um, they have about 75% of its crude um, is the advantage Midland and local crude supply, right? So they actually have a, a price differential on that. So uh, if you're looking to invest, and James and I are not uh, stock advisors, um, this is a very good article to read to see where you may want to invest some of your money. So let's talk about Marathon because I'm a fan. Uh, what are they doing right? So Marathon, I'm a big fan of Marathon too. So Marathon, um, if you look at, say, um, the Great Lakes all the way down to you hit the Gulf of Mexico and Louisiana and then move over to the right, so the entire east part of the, the country, Marathon had built and had and either bought or built pipelines to bring crude to its, all its refineries. So Marathon's not having to pay other pipeline companies uh, to bring their raw feedstock to them. They, they control that. Now, how smart is that if you're predominantly a, a downstream refiner? That makes a ton of sense, and it goes into this whole conversation that we keep having about ep- operational excellence and efficiency. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's once again, if you think about it from an operational excellence point of view, this is operational excellence. This is Marathon controlling its raw feedstock and its transportation costs. Nice. All right. Well, another another company that I'm a fan of, uh, Cabot, is mentioned here in Seeking Alpha. Cabot and Taro and others benefit. As Appalachian Basin Basin differentials disappear, so uh, kind of stuck out to me because w- w- uh, how are they benefiting from uh, di- differentials disappearing? All right. So, in case people don't know what a differential is, it, you know the price, including of, me. 
<laughs> the price we'll, we'll take something like natural gas, right? I don't really know what it's going for today, but it's going for around four dollars, say per billion cubic foot. That's the global price for natural gas. But what happens is in local uh, areas, especially in the U.S., um, there's you have geographic discrepancies. So, for instance, in this case, they're talking about. Um, Cabot and Appalachian Basins, their differential was caused by the fact they couldn't move the gas anywhere, right? So you can produce the gas at the wellhead, but if you don't have a pipeline to move it to market, well, then you're going to have to pay somebody else another way to move it, which is going to lower the cost that somebody's going to pay for your gas because they're having to spend more money to transport it. So that's what a differential is, a difference between what the common going rate is for the commodity and what it may happen locally because of geographic reasons. So um, what's happened is the price differential is going away in Appalachians because people are building the infrastructure, building the pipelines to move gas. Um Crude oil, you can move by rail or truck. You cannot move gas anyway except in a pipeline. So the pipeline infrastructure has to be built uh, when you want to start bringing gas to market. So because they, this part of the country produced gas for so long and there was no way to move it, the gas was dirt cheap up there. Well, now that differential is going away. So educate me then because why can't we move it by rail in, in, in like a big old propane tank? It doesn't work that way because then you'd have to compress it, right? And if you're going to compress it, you've added a bunch of costs right there at the wellhead. Um, it's um, you, you can compress it in a, on a larger scale down the road. We've talked about the LNG plants that are being built in the Gulf Coast to do that. But to have a small uh, compressor station at your wellhead to compress that gas so you could put it in rail just is not economically feasible. Not make any sense. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's going on with the UAE? Uh, are they making any sense? UAE removes fuel subsidy as oil drop hurts Arab economies. Yeah, so this is something that's going on all over the world. Um, a lot of people may not know this, but a lot of countries subsidize their fuel for their people. It's a way for them to help um, lower their people's cost of living. So um, a lot of countries do this, and you know this is why you go to some countries and a you know a gallon of of super unleaded is sixteen cents. Well, it's not because it's really sixteen cents. It's because the government uh, is donate or spending you know a dollar of its own money to lower that cost for its people and so the uae has done this forever and there and because the of the low crude prices you're seeing a lot of countries including the uae say you know what let's get rid of this subsidy it doesn't make sense anymore and that's what this article is about and that's what's going on are those are those those things that those uh those people are rallying in the streets all the time uh wh- wh- what's the term uh, measures mm, I'm, I'm not sounding intelligent right now but you know what's yeah, next? so um i think it was spain the people the whole entire country went on strike because the government wanted to remove the subsidies on fuel <laughs> uh, you know and, and the government caved in and, and i may be wrong about it being spain but it was it was one of the european countries it was just recently it happened and it's um you know you and i both both think the same way. The free market should rule. So when you're subsidizing something, even if it's done by the government, you're not letting free market rule. And so you have the economics are always out of whack a little bit. Yeah, I'm still trying to remember what the word that I can't uh, remember. Uh, it's it's what they do when they stop spending as much money. What are they called? <laughs> I, I, we may have to edit this part out, James, because I don't know either. No, man. No, I'm going to show uh, warts and all. Here we go. All right. What's going on with Cuba? Because we got some Cuba made drill for oil using U.S. equipment. Yeah, so uh, Cuba has a has a lot of reserves, right? They're on the other end of the Gulf of the Gulf of Mexico. Um, unfortunately, because we've had an embargo there for sixty some odd years, they can't get the um, equipment they need to actually drill, much less drill safely and environmentally responsibly. And so, this is an interesting um, article. It's um, what happened is President Obama has has written a new policy, basically saying that. Um, we can now give Cuba stuff as far as technologies, whatever, that would help keep the environment clean. 
Now, if you think about that, and, and it's worded very vaguely, if you think about that, a modern drill rig would fit to that category, right? A modern, new, high horsepower, um, you know, spar rig, um, wood is most environmentally safe way to get oil out of the ground. Well, Cuba doesn't have any rigs. So what this the author of this article is saying is, is this policy change going to allow Cuba to actually tap in and use U.S. rigs? Um, I, I think it would be fine to do. You know, it's, we've talked about this before. Um, the U.S. has a great history of taking countries that don't like us and turning them into longstanding allies. Uh, Germany and Japan pop them ahead first, right? At one point, they were trying to wipe us off the map. Now they're our best buds in the world. And that's what needs to happen with Cuba, right? We need to lift embargo. It's been long enough. Let's show them what capitalism and the free market can do. And I promise you they'll move that way, and, and all of the um, issues with their one-party government will just go away. Well, I like it. And, and I didn't include a link to any of these stories because I didn't want to get all hyperbolic on this show. But even even as I was uh, as I was traveling yesterday, I saw the uh, I was I was being forced to watch CNN, and it was uh, it was a bunch of news stories or a bunch of headlines and a bunch of uh, hyperbole around Iran side deals and oh this is happening and that is happening and this person from the administration came clean and is this just the natural pushback of of us being dipl- diplomatic? Yeah. And, you know, even our LinkedIn group, we had a little discussion about the whole Iran thing. And I thought it was interesting. We had one of our members who's actually um, from Israel say he supports it. Right. And he gave some very valid reasons why. So, um, you know, the, the problem with the mass media is they don't do it to help educate people. They do it to make money. And that skews what they report and how they report it. Right. So that's why you and I are here. We don't skew anything. Right. Right. Yeah. We're not here to uh, to to foam any 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 uh, anything but 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 the good love of the truth of this industry. And, right. and I, brought out, I, I brought out this article here of Malaysia's oil and gas sector, uh, mostly because I, I have our, our friend, oh, Kyle is his name? Um, I'm not sure. He's, he, he's uh, finishing up out there in, in Malaysia. He was just finishing his oil and gas degree and was looking uh, for an internship. And I know that that's a huge sector out there. So this story from Penn Energy, Malaysia's oil and gas sector, uh, apparently there's a new report that's out. What's going on? So uh, Malaysia's rocking and rolling, and, and we've talked about that before in the show. Uh, you know, Petronas is a great company. Uh, they're doing some good work. Um, they've made some shrewd investments. And this story is about how well they're doing, you know, how they're, they're working on some, uh, some EOR projects with ExxonMobil. Um, and, you know, really oil and gas is the lifeblood of Malaysia's economy. I think about 30% of their revenue comes from oil and gas. So, of course, they're going to do a good job of it. And we're not going to confuse them with Petrobras. No, which is the Brazilian nationalized oil company. This what's, is the Malaysian nationalized uh, oil company. Correct. What, what, what's the situation on the ground in Brazil as far as uh, the, the whole Mexican corruption thing we've been talking about? Yeah, it's, 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 it's taken Petrobras down. I was so disappointed. I was so excited for the Brazilian people when they made those deep salt discoveries. And, and the bottom line is corruption has just destroyed a lot of that. Hopefully they can get stuff fixed. We'll see. They're working on it. What about Petronas? Petronas is a good company. I know a lot of people that work there. The people that the employees there, even though it's nationalized, think about it as a as a non-nationalized company. They realize they need to make money. They treat their people well. Um, and, you know, we talked a little about this partnership they work with with Exxon on a EOR, which is uh, enhanced oil recovery projects, which basically means Exxon's helping them go into existing fields that they can't pull oil out properly and come up with and use new technologies to be able to get oil out of the ground. So, I mean, you know, how cool is that? Exxon's over there helping a nationalized oil company. Now, of course, Exxon's going to make some money at it, but, you know, they're kind of spreading the love. It's like Exxon's going, here, here's how you do it right. 
So it's kind of like uh, the Green Bay Packers, right? They're owned by the city. <laughs> They're owned by who? The city. The residents of, of Green Bay own own the. Uh, yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just totally throwing throwing in random things as per usual. Wow, we are we are going right through these. We asked a, we asked the LinkedIn group if they wanted uh, twenty uh, under twenty or twenty to twenty five. Uh, I'm going to have to talk a lot more. Um, because because okay. we're we're going, but I have no problem with that. All right, we've got uh, climb, uh, chief climate change advisor at Shell with a LinkedIn post. Um, whether or not you subscribe to LinkedIn posts, we can talk about that at a later time. And I'm actually going to share how to stop subscribing to LinkedIn published posts. But that's anyway. Signs of change, but not always. What is he getting into? Yeah, I, I actually love David Holmes. So he's a he's like you said, he's the chief climate advisor at Shell, and he's like us, right? He reports the facts. Uh, he actually goes out there and tries to gather the facts himself. Um, some of the environmentalists give him grief because he works for Shell. But damn it, he's trying to do the right thing, so leave him alone. So this is a story that he wrote where he did some um, high Arctic exploration with National Geographic uh, above Europe. And it just it talks about how he saw glaciers that were in great shape. He saw glaciers where they were clearly retreating. He talks about the numbers of, um, of countries of countries and cities in that part of the northern hemisphere that have to use coal for fuel because you can't have solar when half the year's dark. <laughs> right? You can't have you can't have wind farms when the winds hit 160 miles an hour. You know, so um, it, it, I, this is a really good read. Um, and if anybody out there is on Twitter, y'all really should follow David. And pay attention to what he's doing. Now, I will say this much, which he didn't mention this in his article, and a, a lot of uh, climatologists and uh, climate advisors don't ever mention this. The issue of whether the Earth is uh, is that global warming is is true or not is really more or less been solved. So global warming is actually happening. What is not solved is this man is contributing to that. So James, if you think about an ice age, what's the opposite of an ice age? Uh, a warm, sunny climate where everybody's happy. Yeah, and our climate fluctuates over millions of years, right? That pendulum swings. It swings one way, and we have an ice age. It swings the other way, and we have a period of global warming. If you go back to like the Jurassic period, it was much warmer than it is now. It's normal, and the CO2 levels were much higher than it is now. Um, that's a fact, right? What we don't have, we need about another 50 years of data before we can say man's involvement is either speeding up the swing in that pendulum or it's not. We, we don't know that part yet. But it does appear, uh, most experts and a lot of the research I've read, that we, we're in a warming phase, which is it's not a bad thing. It's just it's natural. Well, Alex Epstein, in his book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, though, he talks about how he really does a great job. I mean, it's got to be one of the more well-researched book, books I've read. And he talks about, yeah, it's, it's warmed by 0.8 whatever right. <laughs> or something like that. And so it, I, I, think, I think that it's less about, for me personally, it's less an argument of whether or not we're involved and more of an argument of, okay, enough with the, with the catastrophic um, right. doomsday, you know, revelation scenarios where, where, you know, the four horsemen are going to come. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, that, you, that's the problem. I think when I was in the, in the 1980s, I remember these same scientists, same climatologists talking about how we're going to a global freeze. It's like, what happened? What, what happened in 20 years? Y'all all changed your minds, you know? And then, you know, 
Y2K, SARS. I mean, you you and I could rattle off a list of, of catastrophes that were supposed to happen that never happened. So I agree with you. Quit with the catastrophe talk. It's it's a waste of time. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm going to throw in in the show notes uh, the extras here because I did just on this particular topic ran into a company um, environmentally friendly drilling systems program. Um, and I don't know if you if you're familiar with this. Uh, the the acronym is actually uh, HARC H A R C. So it's for Houston, uh, I can't remember the rest because I'm, I'm trying to get the rest of the acronym out here, but I can't get it off their site. But they, they do this kind of stuff where they do field research um, on, on environmental impacts and everything and, and kind of goes right along with that. So moving on, we have Women in Engineering Fellowship Week, Empowering the Next Generation of Women Innovators. This was something that you shared. Yeah, I love this story. So this is basically a, a group in Africa that is supporting and uh, developing women engineers. And I, I just love the story, right? Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but about 40% of all the new engineers that are entering into the oil and gas industry right now are women. And I think that's awesome. Um, so this group, uh, Women in Engineering, they're short as WOMENG. Um, WOMENG has a whole program set up. And in, in this case, they're in Cape Town giving out awards. And they actually did a little bit of a startup thing, right? They let some of these young uh, women engineers pitch to some of the civic leaders in the in the state, and the top pitch actually won won um, office space and financing and funding and uh, support to stand up their own products. So I mean, just you know, hats off for companies and for organizations out there that go out there and support women in engineering because we need more women engineers. And a lot of young women, especially in the in the um, developing world, don't realize that they can actually be an engineer. So I just think it's awesome. What was the winning pitch then? What was it the was idea? actually. I thought it was pretty cool. It was actually a, a bunch of gym equipment that instead of resistance being weights or bands, you actually push a generator. So this, while people were working out, they were generating power, which helped provide the power for the gym. I, I, that, that is cool genius. Idea. Yeah. I love it. Well, that also gives me a, uh, an opportunity to shout out Denise Cox at the Association for Women Geoscientists, AWG.org. I'll throw that in the show notes as well. Um, she is an awesome person and, and yeah, so any, any young women entering the, the industry want to find a good association, check them out, awg.org. All right. Last, uh, last news story. And, and, uh, this, this goes hand in hand with, with what we were talking about last week about the, the industry, whether or not they put enough focus on the good that they do, but let's talk about some good flight of the angels it looks like they they got some private jets for some kids. Yeah, and the thing I love about this, we talked about this before, ConocoPhillips does not honk its own horn. ConocoPhillips, this is an article about ConocoPhillips being a member of something called the Corporate Angel Network. ConocoPhillips used its money and its jets to fly children that have cancer to the hospitals to treat the cancer, right? Nobody, got, nobody paid for this. ConocoPhillips did this really out of the goodness of their heart. Um, and I, I just, you know, I, I love this article. I love this industry and stuff like this goes on all the time. Now, nobody honks their own horn in this industry, which I, I, you know, I think we could use a little bit more of that to kind of counter some of the negative stuff that's not true out there. But, um, you know, how wonderful a thing is, is it that ConocoPhillips is flying children with cancer to the hospital so they can get treatment? The, the line that's jumping out at me here is that they've been doing this for over 30 years. Yeah. And, and nobody knows this, right? Um, it's, it's just a wonderful thing. It's great for the kids. Um, it's great for the, um, the country, you know, and it's, it's just, it's just a, a good way for ConocoPhillips to give something back. And ConocoPhillips is not the only one. All of the oil and gas industry 
is involved in doing stuff to help. Um, you just don't hear about it. That's yeah, that's really cool. And in and, and one point that I, I forgot to make last week, which which was you and I talk about this offline all the time, which is that you don't produce content that's just ooh us, 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 look what we did, what look what we did. But something that that would be a piece of content that a ConocoPhillips or Exxon or whoever could could actually generate without, uh, you know, seeming like the most annoying person that you meet at the at the cocktail party, they they could say um, five ways that large corporations can give back, and then talk about different programs, and then without talking about how they're involved, you know, obviously they could link to a story like this in a sentence. But I think that a lot of the industry maybe they don't tell that story because kind of like you said, they don't want to come across as 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 tooting their own horn, which. I think you and I both agree no one should do that anyway. But there's there's an education piece to this that they could do that would that would really help not only uh, people outside the industry but within the industry realize the amount of good we do. Yeah, and, and I, it's a cultural thing in the oil and gas industry, and quite frankly, it needs to change. The anti-oil and gas people have gotten so loud and so vocal, and they're all over social media, that some of the this type of stuff needs to get out there. I, and I agree with you. Nobody needs to honk their own horn, but this story needs to be told. And yeah. you know, we're yeah. telling it. Yeah, there's definitely ways that could tell it in a very educational and upbeat kind of a way. We got another story to tell right now because we're going to pay these bills. So paying these bills involves uh, actually my company, Tribe Rocket. So here we go. Many of y'all listening to this show are small business owners in the oil field. Like Mark and I, whether you're upstream pushing through downtimes, midstream fighting for market share, downstream trying to move inventory, or a small service company looking to boost sales, we all need revenue. Like any scale growing, a business isn't easy. It takes persistence, patience, tenacity, and guidance. That's why starting in September, Tribe Rocket is launching Oilfield Revenue University. Discover how to drive website traffic, leads, and sales on a scale that was once only available to industry giants. These are the same tactics and strategies that I use to build Drilling Info's online platform and the same things that Mr. Mark LaCour used to completely transform his business, Motopoint. Motopoint went from having a team of cold callers trying to get their foot in the door, if you will, to now they have so many leads inbound that he does not need cold callers. He has he has a couple of guys handling his inbound leads, and 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 now he he's just kicking back, letting the business come to him, right, Mark? <laughs> uh, that makes it sound so damn easy, but yeah, I mean, literally, our phones ring, right? It's wonderful. Uh, yeah, it's not it's it's not that that damn easy, but yeah. Uh, Learn how to maximize and convert trade shows, trade show leads, create print ads that get results, rapidly grow your email list, and take out billion-dollar competitors by ranking first on Google for search phrases across your oil field niche. For more information, visit TriBrocket.com forward slash TW Revenue, Oilfield Revenue University, a proven step-by-step guide to exponential revenue growth for small oil field businesses. So just to clarify what that means, I've been doing this successfully in this industry uh, since 2012, and now I'm just opening up the blueprint, uh, laying out the formula and saying, here's exactly how to do it if you want to, guys. So again, go to TriRocket.com forward slash TW Revenue to learn more. That's TriRocket.com forward slash TW Revenue, our weekly onion of the week revelation revelations from Trump's financial documents. Maybe get a little too political if we get into that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I must say, uh, I was I was descending the elevator at Urtech, and, and I felt like I felt like 
like I might might be Mr. Trump. I mean, I definitely uh, I I need the hairpiece though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, into the events. All right, if if y'all don't know, you can go to tryrocket.com forward slash events. Tryrocket.com forward slash events. That'll take you straight to the page where you can enter your email address, and Mark and his team will send you an email monthly. That's actually where I quickly put together the events that we talk about on the show, and he he's got all of the events in, in Houston and all over the world that are happening compiled once a month. So so go there, tribrocket.com forward slash events and and uh, and get these sent straight to you. All right, Mark, we are coming up. We've talked about it quite a few times. We're coming up on the Texas South Texas oil field show that is going to be July 29th through 30th, which I believe is uh, mid mid next week. Yeah, I'll be there on Wednesday. I'm looking forward to it. This is a great show. You get to meet a lot of the frontline people in the oil and gas industry. Um, Eli and the rest of his crew out there that put the, these shows on just do a fantastic job. Michelle so, Manningham, shout out. Yeah, so, you know, go. That's all I can say <laughs> yeah, is go. go. And if, but, and if but, you're on, my, on but, my monthly newsletter list, you got free tickets, so you have no excuse not to go. Okay, but but are we going to be able to meet your, your son and your wife there? Yeah, my son, and my wife's gonna be with me. Yeah, we got it. We got to get that in there. All right. So, and then uh, on the entirely, if you're looking for a reason to go to the other side of the globe, our friends at Heart Energy uh, have the Doug Australia happening uh, July 28th through 30th at the Royal International Convention Center, Center Brisbane, QLD, Australia. So uh, that's Queensland, James. Uh, oh, yeah. Is that where the Tasmanian Devil lives? Yeah. Okay. Cool. No, that's in Tasmania. <laughs> One of those two things. All right, so so um, Queensland, Brisbane, Australia. What's different between a Doug America show and a Doug Australia show? Uh, degree is, is the right way to answer that question. Like, like t- temperature-wise? No, degree of maturity. So our shell operators and shell players and the geophysicists, all those people, we've just about got it figured out. They're just starting this in Australia. So – a lot of the knowledge they need, they're going to have to learn. So this would this would be like the Doug event in the U.S. that somebody went to like five years ago, right, when it was just getting started. So that's, that's the difference between the, the two. Wow. So if anybody wants to go help with the knowledge transfer to get that, to get that um, economy rolling, then that's a place to go. Yeah, their economy is actually doing really well. They're, they're a funny country. I, I love the Aussies to death. Um, they tend to be environmentally um, kind of social-leaning folks. But when the oil and gas companies came over there about 10 years ago and said, here's how much money you can make, they go, yeah, we love oil. <laughs> All right. So, All right. Yeah. Come on in, guys. Yeah. All right. Okay. And so uh, so we got that taken care of. The LinkedIn group that we mentioned up front, it was insane, Mark. I Last Thursday, actually, it was about this time, Thursday at 6 o'clock, I opened the gates on that thing. And we got over 400 members in less than 24 hours, and we currently are sitting at 580 members. So thank, thank you to everyone who joined. Um, we've got a few people that, that are, that are uh, you know, commenting a lot on a lot of things. Apologize to Cornelius. It seems that most people are looking for the 25 to, to 30. I know Cor- Cornelius, uh, I'm, I'm not going to try to get his last name right, but uh, Cornelius said that he really liked the 20 minutes, but, um, but here we go at 26 27 minutes now so a uh, big finish let's talk about itunes and reviews mark yeah folks if you enjoy the show if you find it valuable will you do us a favor will you take two minutes out of your day and leave us a review on itunes this show is actually a lot more effort than we make it sound like and we do this stuff for free and we do it for you and we want to spread the love 
one of the best ways that you can help us in this effort is to go give us a review on iTunes. Yeah, and one thing I forgot um, before we transition too far away from the LinkedIn group is that both you and I are going to be doing um, exclusive content for the LinkedIn group. Mine is called the Saturday Six One in honor of Mr. Jim Rohn, talking about the division between labor versus rest. Of <laughs> uh, six days labor, one day rest. Don't get that backwards. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think you have a title for yours. What are you going to be doing though, Mark? Yeah, my title's not going to be as. Uh, thought-provoking is yours. My title's going to be something like the LinkedIn group <laughs> exclusive <laughs> content page. But so I have, a, if, you, if you're not a member of our group, go sign up. I'm right now polling our group to find out what they want. Uh, one of the first piece of content, which we're already working on, is one-minute shorts, right? So what is a blowout preventer? Um, what is, you know, a pig? That sort of stuff. So we can do some quick knowledge transfer in less than a minute. But I'm, I'm, I'm now asking our members, what do you need access to? What would you like to see? And if we get enough people say the same thing, that's the content that we'll produce. There you go. So triberocket.com forward slash LinkedIn. And then back to the iTunes review, you can go to triberocket.com forward slash review or reviews because I, I couldn't remember which one. So I just made a redirect for both uh, both review singular and reviews plural. So if you go to triberocket.com forward slash review, that will take you straight to the page where you can give us give us the rating of your choice. Shout out to Jay Laman, Layman, L-A-H-M-A-N. He says, great show each week. However, and this is why I'm bring this out. If you want more people to find the show, um, I had uh, I searched oil quote oil gas and just a quick uh, SEO uh, for anybody who who's interested. Never try and rank for a term that's as broad as oil gas because that probably is searched hundreds of thousands of times and you're not going to rank for it. And so it could seem like a bit of a user experience flaw, but it actually is just it's just kind of a it's just the way it is when you're trying to get uh, when you're, you you want to be as specific as possible. So yeah, so search this week in oil and gas, or just Google it, and 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 the show will pop right up. So regardless, though, Jay, thank you for the five star rating, and anybody else who wants to join him, you know where to go. Anything else, Mark? Nope. Folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Go find some grease, guys. This week in oil and gas 2016 convention, Cuba. Oh, I love it. I love it. We can get a bunch of roughnecks in Cuba. You talk about a scary but fun time. (laughs) Let's do it.